0: The future of orthodontics is evolving and changing every day. But although the way to achieve practice growth has changed, there's never been a better time to be an orthodontist. Let's get into the minds of industry leaders, forward-thinking orthodontists, and technology insiders to learn how they see the future of the orthodontic specialty. How will digital orthodontics, artificial intelligence, clear aligner therapy, remote monitoring, in-house printing, and other innovations change the way you practice? Join your hosts Dr. Leon Klempner and Amy Epstein each month as they bring you insights, tips, and guest interviews focused on helping you capitalize on the opportunities for practice growth. And now, welcome to the Golden Age of Orthodontics with the co-founders of People and Practice, Dr. Leon Klempner and Amy Epstein.
1: Welcome back to the Golden Age of Orthodontics. I'm Dr. Leon Klempner. Retired orthodontist, part time faculty member at Harvard Ortho, and as always, joined by my co host, my partner, and most importantly, my daughter, Amy Epstein.
2: Hello, we are very pleased to be here with you again, and uh, in particular, because we have as our guest today. Wes Lyon, who is President and CEO of the newly rebranded McGill and Lyon Dental Advisors, part of the McGill and Hill Group. They provide specialized tax business and financial planning exclusively to dentists and dental specialists, so they know what they are talking about over there. Wes is a CPA and a certified financial planner who provides objective advice to improve practice profitability, reduce tax burden, and help practitioners achieve financial independence. Welcome to the show, Wes. We are thrilled to have you with us.
3: Oh, thank you. It's great to be here today. Uh, I'm excited and we got a lot of great things to cover.
2: We do. And we uh, forever for our listeners, we work pretty closely with you, Wes, and uh, we really value the perspective that you have. And we have some shared clients. And, you know, from our perspective, we we see it this way, you help Our clients set goals. We help them use digital marketing strategies to meet those goals. And then we use tools like Gage to to, uh, track our progress. So it's just such a great collaboration.
3: No, absolutely it is. And I think some of the things we're going to talk about today are actually going to weave right back into that and Oftentimes when I'm talking to doctors and they say, hey, well, here is a proposed solution. I say, well, I've got a whole lot more cost-effective one for you. Why don't you call up Amy and Leon?
2: We Uh, really appreciate when you do that.
1: Yeah, we we really appreciate when you do that. You want to do that more often? We appreciate it even more. but it's great to have you here. Good. It's great to have you here. You you are like the expert in so many different areas. And I know our listeners will be, um will get a lot out of this uh, podcast. So let's get going.
2: Mm-hmm. Yeah. And I just wanted to say that, um, you know, you look, you look good in front of a microphone and uh, it looks like your experience there. You have a podcast coming up soon too, don't you?
3: Uh, We do. We have actually recorded a few episodes and the two of you happen to be on two of them. So as soon as I can (laughs) uh, finish the final touches on our production, we'll be launching it. Uh, Most places podcasts are available. It's called Drilling It Down. It's sponsored by the McGill Advisory, which is our newsletter here that uh, we provide exclusively to dentists uh, that goes over practice management, tax issues, financial planning. um, But is we're kind of reaching out and we realize in today's age, most of our consumers are doing things digitally and, uh, reading is uh, not the forefront anymore. I think a lot of people want to listen. So we're excited to launch a podcast and really bring a whole bunch of great information to dentists out there and Mm -hmm. specialists. So, um,
2: let's uh, get, Oh, let me,
1: let me just interject for a second. Um, the, uh, we're going to talk about osos and dsos today and uh, for our listeners we want to provide you with as much information as we can so um we have an expert here we're going to try to cover as much as 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 we can during the podcast so um amy let's get down to it
2: all right so Tell us, you know, the DSO, OSO topic is a big one, and we're, we talk about it all the time. Um, why are they gobbling up so many independent practitioners, and where is all that money coming from?
3: Yeah, this is something that was coming for a long time. I'm actually shocked it took this long to get here. So I think it's important uh, to understand where the money's coming from and why they're here. Um, the money's coming from institutional investors, private equity. Um, I used to work in institutional money management. And, you know, you think of somebody with a lot of money might have 10, 20 million dollars and that's phenomenal. And then you see a sovereign wealth fund or a pension fund and all of a sudden you're looking at billions, sometimes trillions of dollars. And now you start to understand that there are investors out there and their pockets just don't end and they're always seeking a higher return, something good to do with their money. And the problem is recently they've really run out of places to go. If you look at public markets, the S&P 500, uh, you know, this given where we are right now, this changes daily, but it's trading somewhere around 29 times earnings, meaning you pay $29 for every dollar of earnings in the S&P 500. Well, historically dental practices have traded between four and five times earnings. So you can buy a dental practice for $4 for every dollar of earnings, $5 for every dollar of earnings. So these big institutional money managers are out there investing and they're looking saying, hey, we can pay 29 times earnings for the S&P 500. Or look at these dental practices. They're selling four to five. Can we get a team together that can manage a dental practice and go out there and get this excess return? Um, Doesn't take a a genius to figure out why they're here when you look at those two items and say, well, it's either 29 or four to five. Um, So they've entered the market and they've really increased the prices they're willing to pay. Um, But they're here because they think they can generate a high rate of return by owning a dental practice. Um, And that's really it. And there's a couple other factors that are making this possible. Uh, A lot of doctors are reaching retirement age. Uh, There's a good segment that need to sell. Um, The average retirement age of a dentist, you know, 20, 30 years ago was 62. It's now 68. So not only are doctors reaching that age, a lot of doctors have hung around longer. And then combine that with what's going on in the dental schools. Uh, it is extraordinarily expensive to go to college these days. If you're going to college, then you're going to dental school. If you're a specialist, an orthodontist, now you've got even more student loan debt. All of a sudden you come out and it's not unheard of to see five, six, seven hundred thousand $700,000 of student loan debt. And historically these would be people that want to come out and buy a practice, but now they're sitting there looking at it going, oh gosh, can I really afford to buy a practice? I'd rather take a paycheck and know that I'm gonna get paid every month, not take this risk and be able to pay off my student loans. Uh, So the combination of those two things have really needed a solution to come in. And these private equity groups have looked at the numbers and said, you know, we can provide this solution and make a ton of money. And that's why they're here, is they're here to make money.
1: Well, I mean, that that's totally understandable. And, you know, I'm on the phone every day with orthodontists talking about their practice, talking about their future, their exit strategy, you know, all of these are important for us to understand when we, uh, you know, avail ourselves of our marketing services with them is, is to know exactly what their, what their goals and plans are. And, you know, they'll often ask me, you know, should I sell? And, you know, the numbers, Amy, these are millions and millions and millions of dollars. This is real, real money that's on the table here. And it's really tempting and I get it. But, you know, despite all of that money, I know there are additional factors that play into whether, It's really a good fit for them to sell at that particular time, so you know we 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 typically will refer them to somebody like Wes that that you know um, could give them a better perspective. So, Wes, tell me, is, is it always a good deal for an ortho to sell?
3: No, that couldn't be further from the truth. Um, so think back to one of the first things I said, which is a, an orthodontic practice has historically sold for four to five times earnings. Those numbers have jumped up with the entrance of private equity. We're starting to see six, seven. I've seen some go as high as nine or 10 times earnings, which is fantastic. But they hand you this pile of money and now all of a sudden you have to turn around and you have to find a place to put this money that's gonna generate as high of a return as your orthodontic practice was. And many times they're trying to convince you that this is a great deal because they want the profits that they can't find elsewhere. So you have to think there is a reason that these people want to buy your practice. It's a very good reason. It's also the reason one of the most rewarding things you can do is own a practice. So the check is not a good reason to sell. Now, I'm not for or against their entrance into the marketplace. It's done a lot of good, it's done some bad. So there could be a time in which you need to sell your practice. There could be a time in which this is a good idea. I certainly do recommend that people sell to these groups. Now, that being said, just because they offered you a huge check does not mean that you should do this. Um, And that's really where a lot of the times we send people your way is they come to us and they say, hey, you know, this group has offered me $8 million for my practice, and this is too much money. I have to take it. Well, it's based off an earnings multiple. And they always come back to me and say, well, you know, Wes, they're going to help me grow my practice. They're going to help me do all these things. They're going to outsource HR. <laughs> I tell them, well, it, it, let's, let's be clear. They're going to help you grow their practice. It's not yours anymore when they grow it. You just work there. Right there's, there's better ways of achieving the things that they come in and say they're going to partner with you on than just selling it to them and getting rid of that cash flow. Oftentimes, too, doctors don't realize um, they can't run a whole lot of the perks through the practice anymore. They're used to running their own retirement plan. They're used to going to continuing education and paying for it through the practice. Many doctors might have their children, their families on the payroll. They can't do all these things. But most importantly, uh, you have to agree to work back to these groups. And a lot of the doctors don't realize, they say, hey, I'm gonna get this $8 million and we'll talk about what actually consists of that $8 million in this hypothetical scenario. Not all of it's cash. Then they get the cash and they think they're gonna let the cash grow. They're gonna invest it in something else that has a lower return than their orthodontic practice. And in 10, 15 years, it's gonna be worth a ton of money. Um, and they'll just live off their earnings. A lot of orthodontists haven't considered that if they're making enough money that their practice is worth one of these very large amounts, their spending might be more than the associate compensation they're being offered. They might not actually be able to put all that money away for a rainy day or invest it all. They may have to spend some of it to maintain their standard of living.
1: So so Wes, um, is there like a, a sweet spot in terms of age. I'm thinking that you know, if I'm if I'm close to retiring, and I'm you know I'm I'm done, that there's more of an advantage of selling at that point than if I've got like 10 or 15 years to go. I've got to put on, you know, the polo shirt and and toe the corporate line. I've got to listen to, and th- these are stories I hear from orthodontists uh, that tell me after they've sold that. You know, that that part isn't that much fun listening to some, you know, uh, young uh, office manager telling me, you know, what to do and how to do it and and stuff like that. So how how does that play into it? It's, you know, there's an emotional element to it, psychological element to it as well. But I was just wondering from an age standpoint, do you find that, you know, when you're older,
3: it, it, it tips the scale a little closer to selling as opposed to when you're younger? absolutely and i got a a quick funny story for you on that one because believe it or not i used to work in this world buying up practices now we bought financial advisory practices we were not buying dental practices it was unrelated to what we're doing but i was all of maybe 23 or 24 years old at the time and i was the guy they were sending in so the 60 year old practitioner has just sold his practice and here comes the private equity firm in and Oh, by the way, this twenty-three-year-old is now going to tell you how to run your business. Uh, you can imagine it didn't go over so hot the first couple of times I did it. <laughs> but I learned from one of my bosses uh, to just look at them and go like this: "Say, hey, did you sign it?" And they always look back and go, "Huh?" I said, "Did you sign our check?" <laughs> and when they yeah. answer yes, you just politely let them know that it's my way. It's not happen in your way. And not all these groups are like that, but that's certainly true is if you if you sign the check and you deposit the money, you now work for them. Uh, so kind of how that ties in is uh, to your age. I wouldn't say age is the factor. It's how many years left before you're actually going to stop practicing orthodontics. And that magic number is five. Now, I'm not saying that if you're five years away or less that you absolutely should sell to a DSO or an OSO. And I won't say I'm absolutely or I'm not absolutely saying if you're more than five years away, you shouldn't sell to them. But I am saying about 99.8% of the time, if you're more than five years away, you should not sell to them. Um, You should own it. You should grow it yourself. Keep the fruits of that labor for yourself. Maintain your independence. Um, There's really from a financial perspective, when you run through these numbers, it, it doesn't make sense when you're more than five years away. Now, you get to the point, when does it make sense? When you are five years away from walking away from orthodontics or less, now you really have to start thinking about your transition plan. These private equity groups have really provided a lot of good in the marketplace for orthodontics. Um, Historically, an orthodontic practice has, you know, been worth no more than 100% of collections, maybe 85% of collections. And that's really because that's all the bank was willing to loan them. It's not because the cash flows didn't justify a higher value. These private equity groups, they come in and, you know, they don't have a bank behind them. They have cash. They don't care what the bank says. They care about whether or not they get a return on their money. So now all of a sudden, these private equity groups are willing to pay a lot of money. If you're five years away or less, you do want to determine if your practice is a good candidate for this or not. Not all practices are. Generally speaking, the larger the practice, the better they, they're going to be suited to sell to one of these ESOs or OSOs. Um, but sometimes the numbers between selling to an associate for what they can afford and selling to a DSO, sometimes that difference, it can be as much as five, $10 million on a you know, one, one and a half doctor practice, you start getting into six, seven locations, four associates working at the practice, all of a sudden that gap is so wide that you really don't even have a choice. They're the only ones that can buy. So if you're five years away or less, you definitely want to consider this and you want to meet with somebody who can show you the pros and the cons. It's not as simple as, hey, you're five years away or less, let's sell to the DSO. What ends up happening is when you sell, what they're buying are the excess profits but I like to call them 24 karat gold handcuffs. You're going to have to work for them for a specified period of time. So what you have to figure out is the upfront check that they're gonna give you, is that worth more than the profits that you're giving up while you work back for them? And oftentimes in orthodontics it is. Um, Sometimes it's not, but you wanna know that ahead of time. You don't wanna sell just to say, hey, I got so much of the dinner party. You wanna find out, you know, was keeping all that extra profit for an extra five years, would that have been more money to just keep it and then sell the discount to the associate? Or did they actually give me so much money that at the end of my five years, when I walk away clean, that I actually came out ahead? And Mm -hmm. in orthodontics, because orthodontic associate compensation is typically not based off a percentage of collections. If you have a very high producing practice, oftentimes that spread does indicate you should sell to a DSO, but there's no clear cut answer you want to tell everyone in the marketplace. And Leon, to your point, you know, when doctors sell younger, more oftentimes than not, uh, you know, five years later, whenever those golden handcuffs come off, they're looking to get back into private practice.
2: It sounds like you have it down in terms of figuring out specifically for every individual case, whether it's a good idea or not to sell at a given point. Is that something that that orthodontist can come to you for specifically just for, for help with that decision?
3: Absolutely. We, we have a service that helps you choose whether or not you should sell to a DSO. Um, Now, I I encourage anyone to reach out if they're having this question, because sometimes it's so clear cut. I tell them, you know, here's the other services I offer, but I'm not letting you pay me to give you this answer. It's so clear cut, I'm gonna give it to you right now. (laughs) And Mm -hmm. usually when I do that, it's just, no, don't do it. Here's 10 reasons why I don't even need to see the numbers. I know what they look like, seen enough of them. But for those doctors considering it, um, we do have a service that really strictly hones in on that. Hey, here's what the DSO offer should look like. Here's what we can probably expect to get. Here's how it's gonna impact your personal financial life. And oh, by the way, here would be plan B if you did it a different way. And we actually run those numbers out, show them, You know, hey, here's what it's gonna look like in five years. Here's what it's gonna look like in 10 years, 20 years. And every situation's unique. Uh, I did this, last week, and the doctor was going to get an extra $4 million to not sell to the DSO. Um, Now, we've certainly done that before too. And I've had to, sometimes people come to me and they really don't want to sell to a DSO. And I have to sit there and show them, hey, this is an extra $10 million to sell to the DSO. I know you don't want to, but what's your price? At what point do you just say, you know what, I'm willing to work for him for five years. And that's a service that's really, um, we started because we felt like nobody was doing justice out there and people were being led down roads that we didn't want them to go and being told to do things. And there was just no independent way of figuring out, hey, is this a good idea or not?
2: Mm -hmm. That's great. Um, So let me ask you a question. I hear a lot of uh, financial terms being thrown around as as it relates to selling or not selling. Tell us a little bit about rollover equity and, and does that investment pay off?
3: Yeah, so rollover equity is when, let's say that one of these organizations says they're gonna give you $10 million. But oh, by the way, I'm only gonna give you $7 million today. The other 3 million, you're gonna take a stake in our company. It's gonna, you're gonna exchange part of your company for our company. We call that rollover equity. You take equity in this new entity. Now these rollover equity amounts have been going up dramatically in value over the last five to seven years but I think everybody needs to understand why. Private equity multiples. This is not orthodontic specific, not dentistry specific. I'm just talking about private equity multiples over the last seven, 10 years have just been going through the roof. They have more than doubled in many cases. So a lot of the times you rolled over your $3 million and it turned to six and you say, wow, this group is so great. Uh, look at what they did with my money. Well. All rollover equity should have done that. The multiples they're paying just went up when they were originally buying practices. Oftentimes they were buying it three times earnings. I mean, oftentimes they still do buy it three times earnings because they wanna buy your practice for as low of a value as possible. Uh, So if they were buying it three and then the market dictates six, uh, five years later, were they geniuses or did the market pricing just changed? And the market pricing has changed dramatically, which has increased the value of this rollover equity. And I think they're using this as a selling point, And they're trying to convince doctors that, hey, we're the geniuses that did this, rather than pointing out the obvious, which says, hey, there's more and more money chasing these, which has created more and more demand, which has created more competition. So we've had to increase what we pay, which mm-hmm. also increases what we can sell for. Some of it's just luck. It's kind of like the stock market over the last five years, besides maybe the last six months, it's been going up and up and up. Uh, So this rollover equity is not something doctors should count on. When we do an analysis, we tell them, hey, if you ever get a dollar of this, fantastic. If it makes you rich beyond belief, fantastic. If it never shows up fantastic, we still have your money, but you absolutely cannot count on this money to just keep doubling and doubling and doubling. And a lot of what I see in their marketing materials are trying to convince the doctors that it's actually better to own this rollover equity than it is your own practice. And don't get me wrong, there's probably a group or two out there that that will be true for, but I'm willing to bet 90% plus of the groups, you would have been better off with your equity and your practice than the group. It's really just what's been going on in the market for the last five to seven years. Uh, so my warning would be when you, look at, when you look at an offer and try to evaluate it, look at what they're giving you in cash. Oftentimes they'll say, hey, we're giving you $15 million. And when you look, they're giving you $7 million, maybe 2 million in rollover equity. But then they're projecting their rollover equity to double in three years and then come up some more in four years. And they're putting that full value in there. I don't expect that those values will continue and continue to go up. But I'm going to give you the positive as well. Give you the, the negative of where we view it. The positive and what they're attempting to do is they're attempting to put a whole bunch of practices together and sell them because 10 locations are worth more than two locations are. So, if they can get 150 ortho practices, they think they can find a bigger group to pay a higher multiple. Now, eventually, the multiple game stops, though. (laughs) The multiples can only go so high. Uh, And what they're, some of them may even be trying to go public. The firm I was working for, we were doing this in financial advisory. Um, Their goal was to go public. It didn't end up happening. Another private equity group came in, swooped them up. Um, But that's generally what happens. And it's been going on, going on. People have been flipping and flipping and flipping, but it, it just, it won't go on forever. You can't just continue to double, 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 double. If it sounds too good to be true as with any investment, not specific to this, it probably is. And I think the rollover equity is one where it's too good to be true. So I just, we tend to ignore it. We try to get as much of that value in cash as we can. Right. Makes, Great. Makes, makes a lot of sense. Yeah.
1: So, so Wes, uh, it's tradition on our, uh, podcast to take a call from one of the ortho listeners so uh let's take a listen and then uh, you could address uh the question
3: hi this is dr luke spiro from new york city and i was wondering how the impact of osos affect the independent orthodontic practice moving forward that is a great one and i think that's the million dollar question um and this is true in orthodontics true in general dentistry really everywhere is their money's here they own a very large Portion of practices compared to 10, 15 years ago. And they're certainly doing things differently and they most certainly have an impact. Uh, now, I tend to think they're going to have a very, very positive impact for those orthodontists that really know how to market. Um, but things that are going to change, one, they have marketing departments, they have HR departments, they have accounting departments, they have a whole lot of things that you don't have in your independent practice. So a lot of practitioners are going to need to outsource a few of those things. Um, and Leon Namey, this is one where uh, I usually send them your way uh, to say, well, the practice down the street or this happens a lot, it's all the time and I can't believe people fall for it. you know, but they're gonna help me grow my practice. And I'm like, they're going to buy it and grow their practice. Yes, the world is changing. Yes, you need to get ahead of it. And yes, you need to do this. But hey, by the way, instead of selling your practice, call Leon and Amy, maybe they can help you market rather than giving up the most valuable asset you have in fear. So orthodontists will have to market. They're, they're gonna to have to change what they do to some extent. Good news is I think orthodontists in general are more prepared because they've been having to market direct-to-consumer for quite some time. When the pediatric dentist referrals started to, or stopped going exclusively to certain orthodontists and they started handing out multiple names or just saying, hey, you need orthodontic treatment, um, it really made orthodontists shift. Um, So you do need to market direct-to-consumer. Another thing that I don't think was specifically asked but needs to be addressed is they don't just buy orthodontic practices. So how is this gonna impact you? If your business comes from four or five pediatric dentists and they come in and they buy those pediatric dentists, they don't really wanna own a pediatric practice. They just bought an orthodontic practice. They're gonna hire an orthodontist, put them in that office and your practice might dry up overnight. So you really need to be prepared to lose referring sources, not because you lose touch with the dentist or they don't like you, but because they sell their practice to a corporate group and that corporate group now Uh, wants to bring in their own orthodontist. So there's certainly going to be a lot of change with it. Now with that in mind, uh, when the DSOs buy practices or OSOs, they have to bring in doctors. And that's probably their biggest challenge is the doctor doesn't remain consistent. They get somebody out of orthodontic residency, they bring them in, do a couple years and they get somebody new. There's never a brand name around this that really sticks. And a lot of times when As I'm sure the two of you know, the main decision maker for orthodontic treatment oftentimes is the mother. And that's not a great marketing strategy around a mother. They want to know that their child is going to get orthodontic treatment from one of the best orthodontists in town. And if it costs a thousand extra dollars to go to the trusted name, more often than not, they're willing to pay for it. But are you willing to put the work in and become the trusted name in town? You can't just sit back and expect to be, you really need to expand your footprint. You need to be in the community. And more than anything, you need to expand your digital footprint because they are experts at marketing. They have whole teams. Uh, They get their names out there in front of people. Now the the good news is usually when people see their marketing, uh, the patients that wanna come to your practice as an independent practitioner are gonna look up more than one firm. But if they receive this marketing from one of these groups and they look at it and they say, oh, I need to bring my child in for treatment, they're going to immediately start doing research. So you really need to be ahead of the game on marketing. But those orthodontists that distinguish themselves, they really become the trusted name in town, trusted name in the community and have the marketing down. I really think it's going to be a great time to own an orthodontic practice. And I still think when I talk to young orthodontists, best thing you can do for yourself is go buy a practice.
1: Yeah, you know, it's interesting because uh, you mentioned outsourcing. And, you know, at, at one point in when I was practicing, when I first started practicing, I would make my own retainers because I had the time to do it. And, you know, it would bend the hollies or the, you know, uh, uh, appliances. And I, I would just spend the time making. It. And then it came a certain point in time where it just made sense for me to send it to a lab that could make it quicker and better and for me to be, you know, putting the braces on and 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 start treating the case. So I think the same is true in marketing. Um, it's come to the point where you know, at people in practice, for example, we we have got twelve full-time people in in various positions, including graphic design and, and all phases of, of digital marketing and and technology. And it's hard to to do that by yourself in in, in your own practice. So. Um, you know, without sounding too self-serving, I believe that that if you want to compete, you really need a marketing company, whether it's people in practice or someone else, it's beyond the scope of just having some, you know, somebody on staff on a part-time basis, you know, post on on Facebook, that doesn't work anymore. Wes, you continue to amaze me. you know, time has flown by. Uh, thank you so much for taking the time to join us. For our listeners out there, financial decisions, you know, require um, intellect and, and analytics, and certainly Wes fits that. But what Wes also brings to the table is honesty and transparency. And you don't get that everywhere. It's one of the reasons that we f- we feel great about sending our clients his way for an evaluation, for example, or for financial uh, advice or investment. So um, uh, Wes, if any of our listeners would like more information about your services or would
3: like to contact you, um, what would be the best way to reach you? Yeah, absolutely. Um, Well, one thing quick too, I want everyone to know is um, a lot of these companies marketing about this DSO stuff, what you don't realize is they're being paid by the DSOs to do it. So be very careful of who you're listening to if you're making this decision. Um, that being said, you can contact our office um, at 704-424-9780. Uh, again, that's 704-424-9780. Uh, and ask for Janet Blair. Uh, my email address is also West period lion at mcgillhillgroup.com also something i really encourage people to do and i'm very excited because the topic we're talking about today is going to be top of mind is november 4th and 5th we're having our annual mcgill hill group summit here in charlotte north carolina and one of the biggest things we're doing for orthodontist and general practitioners, other specialists, is addressing this very issue of, hey, the private equity money is here, the DSO money is here. What are the things you need to do as an independent practitioner in order to make sure you prepare for this and you're ready for the future and that your practice is going to thrive in the future? And I'm very excited. I know both of you will be there speaking on our behalf, so we couldn't be more thankful and excited to be there. But Oftentimes, I tell people there's a whole lot of information if you're not as familiar with the group. Uh, we do offer continued education for our seminars, um, so we recommend that you come to one of those, see what it's all about. At the very least, I promise you, you'll get objective financial advice you take home, it'll be worth your time. But I'm especially excited for this one because we've got a couple outside speakers, YouTube being two of them, that they're gonna come in and really help address these issues and help you grow your practice and really face these corporate groups head on before they do become a problem. Um, also, you can get 10% off using code SUMMIT10 Uh, at our website. So if you go to mcgillhillgroup.com, there's a CE events section of it. You get 10% off your registration if you go there for listening to the podcast. But we're very excited. It's gonna be a great event. And uh, the two of you are gonna be there and you're always great to hear speak as well.
2: Thanks, Wes. Well, thank you for that. And uh, and thank you for being here today. Good to see you as always. I'm sure we'll be in touch uh, again shortly as we do on a regular basis. So have a good one, Wes, and thank you again.
3: thank you both.
2: You can subscribe to the Golden Age of Orthodontics uh, or download other episodes of our podcast on Apple Podcasts, Spotify or SoundCloud. And if you want to see our faces and see Wes's face, you can check out the video version of this podcast on YouTube.
1: This episode is powered by ULAB Systems. Uh, one of the reasons we like them so much is they offer orthodontists a lot of flexibility. They're paid per aligner pricing. Uh, with that, you could treat minor cases, hybrid cases, combo cases, complex cases, and all do it more profitably. And by the way, this is unbelievable. ULab is giving away a free case to our podcast listeners. I can't believe that, it's true. And um, you'll get, I believe up to 40 aligners free. I may be wrong on that, I'll have to check it, but um, you will get to to do a free case. And if you go to our website at pplpractice.com and click on our partner page, there'll be a little form to fill out. And when you do, um, you'll able to reach out and they'll help you get your first case going for nothing, free. Nada. Zilch. Um, on the house. Gunish. <laughs> gunish. That's what it is. I know nobody knows what I'm talking about.
2: <laughs> no, <but> I, including <laughs> says, me. I have no idea, <laughs> no idea gunish, what you're saying. Gunish.
1: It's a, a gunish. It's like two Jewish women talking it's, and it you sounds send like your son to me. An, you sent your son to an Ivy League school and, and now we, look, he's working a job he's making gunish. Anyway. Uh, <laughs> Google it and uh, uh, you'll see what it means. Nobody can
2: Google it because nobody knows how to spell that.
1: (laughs) G. I I looked it up. I Googled (laughs) it myself. (laughs) (laughs) G-O-R-N-I-S-H-T, Gunish, Gunish. Anyway, (laughs) thank you so much for watching and or listening. Uh, If you want to contact me directly with any marketing questions, shoot me an email at Leon at pplpractice.com Uh, remember it has never been a better time to be an orthodontist. We're in the golden age. Thanks again and bye for now.
0: Thank you for tuning in to the Golden Age of Orthodontics. Subscribe now on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or visit our website at thegoldenageoforthodontics.com for direct links to both the audio and video versions of this episode.